What's up guys, Evan Kidd here. Welcome back to How We Human. Today we've got episode 8 for your listening pleasure. Quick heads up, I'm going to be doing this interview solo today. Tony wanted to join us, but he's actually out of town, and he wasn't able to make this recording, so we're just going to dive right in. Just me. However, have no fear, Tony will be rejoining us on the next episode of How We Human. Today we have Victoria Negri joining us on the show. Her film Gold Star just came out, and it is a very personal drama feature film her first feature film that she just made and put out into the world. In addition to directing the film, Victoria also wrote, produced, and starred in the film as well. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about the process and what she went through making it. I'm also a filmmaker. I could relate to a whole bunch of the stuff that she was talking about, from casting to making sure everything goes off without a hitch. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that and figure out what it is that makes independent film so special. Here's our interview with Victoria Negri. You're listening to the How We Human podcast with your hosts, Evan Kidd and Tony Durban. So, yeah, Victoria, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where do you hail from? Like, what is the background? How'd you get into film? All that. Yeah, um, I hail from Connecticut, but I live in Brooklyn now. Um, and yeah, I grew up obsessed with movies. I was, uh, watching films nonstop as a kid and all sorts of stuff. Um, cause my father was so much older when I was born. TCM was always on AMC and, uh, yeah, watching anything I was allowed to watch. Um, and yeah, I started off really interested in acting, uh, and I went to NYU, uh, for acting specifically. And then I graduated and I got like really uh, kind of bummed, bummed out by uh, the lack of good roles out there that I was being considered for. Um, So I started writing and I started working behind the camera just to be on set. And it's funny, I maybe I, I, all signs were always pointing toward me to be a filmmaker because I I never really did any plays once I got to NYU. I was like, I want to meet the film students. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I, uh, it was like a long progression towards saying I'm going to direct. Yeah. And how did, how did you get to that, that moment? Cause you, if you start out in acting, that is a craft that takes up so much focus and so much time and, you know, it's something that you really got to dedicate your all to. And how, how did you make that leap? And I know that you still do some acting, mm-hmm. but how did you kind of make that transition? I mean, the big transition was with Gold Star because I had never directed yeah. before doing Gold Star because I'm a crazy person. And it's um, a feature. And it's a feature. Yeah, it's just nuts. I mean, that's that's cool. Like, you might be one of a handful of people whose first film is a feature. Yeah, I mean, and I... I think going through something really intense with losing my father and seeing that, um, you know, how hard that was on me, I was like, you know what, I really want to do this, I'm just gonna do it, I I, I feel like I can, and um, the challenge was uh, convincing other people. But I think for me, like, that decision to direct really came from realizing that I had a voice and my voice was more specific than if somebody else were to tell the same script, this to make a film right. from my script. Because I did interview a lot of directors to direct Gold Star, and it wasn't, 
it wasn't uh, working for me what they were saying and also just uh, I could tell no one was especially on low budget I mean you you know yeah. no one's gonna work as hard on your film <laughs> as you are and it's right. years and it's things that nobody sees like you're up at 2 a.m. scheduling tweets like nobody's gonna do that for you because you <laughs> yeah. have no money um, right. so I yeah it's it was me realizing I had a voice and knowing that I was just gonna work my butt off on it yeah. So for people who don't know, I, I you know, they, they heard the little intro I did at the beginning of the show, but what is in your words, the best way to describe gold star, uh, before we dive into like nitty gritty. Yeah. I mean, I've said the log line so many times yeah. recently that I think the most to get different with it right now with you, I think it's an exploration on a young person grieving, um, before the person they're grieving is gone. But yeah, I mean, the log line, I'll also say it, um, is it's about a young woman who, uh, she's a music school dropout and she's forced to move home to take care of her father who recently suffered a stroke. So it's a, it's a really personal story. I um, took care of my father who had a stroke uh, when he was 87 and I was 24, 20, man, yeah, was I 24? 25, I was 25. Um... So yeah, it was it was intense, and I I was uh, I I do have siblings that are not represented in the film, um, and we all with my mother kind of shared the burden. So yeah, I spent a lot of time in the hospital um, and at home with my dad, just really kind of exploring what I was going through on the page. Right. Yeah. Right. So I ended up watching the film on Amazon Prime the other day, and I really enjoyed it. Thanks. And it, it, it is that. It is, you know, it is a slow, gritty piece exploring, you know, what it means to lose someone. Mm. And, and it's not pretty. No. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's it's this dark thing that kind of connects everyone because, you know, the, the truth of it is at the end of the day, you know, everyone has lost someone at the end of the day yeah. when they get to a certain point in their life. And it, everyone deals with it differently. Mm. And I think it's interesting because, you know, you've got these very dynamic characters. No two characters handled that grief the same way. Yeah. Um, and and do you, did you have any plans for that? Was that an intentional mm. move or was it just, you know, to show that kind of contrast? Yeah. I mean, for me, what was really important to be consistent with in the film for all the characters is that, is that nobody's, nobody's an effective communicator which Robert has no lines, so he's literally not able to verbally communicate. My character lashes out, but she's also extremely shut in, and um, those quiet moments in the film where I'm alone reveal more of maybe the vulnerability she refuses to show. So it's it's the levels of denial and accepting the grief that I wanted to show a range of that denial, I guess. But yeah, it's um, the consistent thing is the inability to communicate, and I think it's the the range of denial is something I was interested in exploring because you never really even, and this is true, like when I was going through it with my dad, he was much worse off than Robert is in the film. He had a trach. He, um, sometimes his face uh, was a bit frozen from the stroke. So sometimes you couldn't tell exactly how he was feeling. Um, Robert's much more um, alive, even despite the words. so yeah, for me, even though my father was extremely debilitated, I never thought he was gonna die. I was like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna either stay like this or get better. 
and even though he was 87. So it's, um, it's those levels of denial that are so interesting to me because when he passed away, I was shocked, but it's not, yeah. it shouldn't have been shocking. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it was definitely exploring that. And what, if I can ask, what is the biggest challenge? Because we know making a film, just in and of itself, mm. if you're making a film about the most, you know, happy-go-lucky thing there is, that it's hard enough just to make a film mm. in of itself. Um, if you can't, if you marry that with actual personal experience and loss, I can only imagine it gets harder. Um, can you talk to that? I don't know. I think it's hard it's hard no matter what to make a film and it's hard no matter what to experience loss. I think I felt so lonely in experiencing the loss that I was desperate to be heard. So there were times when I was filming where it was torture because I was literally reenacting certain things that happened with my father's hospital equipment in my house, touching my father's clothing. I love talking about it with people, I think people are really um, hesitant to talk about death and grief when, like you were saying, it's something we all go through. But then there are other parts of me that, like, for instance, on um, opening night on Friday, I sat in the theater and watched the film with everyone, and I thought to myself, wow, this film is uh, a time capsule. There's a lot in my house that's different. My father's clothing isn't all in the closet anymore, obviously. I only mm -hmm. shot it two years after he passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, it comes in waves because there's so much to be happy about the victory of making a film at all, you know, an experience we all experience and losing a loved one and turning it into art, um, has been really rewarding. But then, yeah, there are these strange little moments that, um, you know, I feel like grieving, you're never done grieving your whole life when you lose someone close to you, and that that it sneaks up on you in unexpected ways, I think. Once you've made this film, um, when you look back at it, you mentioned it was like a time capsule. Mm. I feel that is the best way to describe literally any film that yeah. I have ever made because I look at it years, not even a year down the road, maybe a few months down the road. Yeah. And aside from me, like nitpicking everything that I think is wrong with it or, you know, this, that, and the third, it's just, it's so reflective of a certain time in my life that just doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, and, and even when it's, you know, a fictionalized piece, it, it just feels like this thing in a museum to me that's how i view films that are mine um and i guess it sounds like that's a similar experience can, can you talk to you know maybe why is why are these sort of personal films whether it's a direct experience like what you went through with your mm -hmm. father um or even just like a loosely connected thing because every writer writes usually from some right. semblance of an experience yeah, of course. um you know why is personal art important and, and why does that matter I think it matters because it's getting to some kind of truth of what it is to be human. I think, I think the best kind of personal storytellers um, cut through any kind of ego and any kind of fear of how they're perceived um, and what they're saying and get to the heart of the story 
when I say like the soul of the film, I don't mean it has to be a heartwarming film. I think um, I tend to love films that are very dark and sad, but I think if it's saying something that's very honest and true, um, it's important. And I wanna, I wanna think about uh, the world differently and I wanna think about people differently. Yeah, I wanna walk out of a movie thinking about what, who am I and what, how has this movie made me think about mm -hmm. humanity? That's a very mm -hmm. cerebral, broad answer, but... Um... No, no. It, it's a great answer. It, we On the last episode, we were just talking to uh, our last guest, and, and he was talking about really being selective in the types of content that he is mm. consuming nowadays mm. because, you know, everything is so limited, time is so limited, and it, it's making sure that the content is nutritious. And that was like our little vocabulary I word like that we that. thought was nutritious. so cool. But like nutritious content because, yeah. you know, you wouldn't put a bunch of garbage into your body, um, you know, with without knowing what it would do to you. And like we were talking about does the same like concept translate to films yeah. and the entertainment that you watch because at the end of the day like sometimes i just want to go watch a half hour thing that's you know not talking about anything philosophical right, right. And, and just eat my chipotle and just like <laughs> you know let that be my evening yeah. but there are other times where it's like i watched this film a ghost story couple months ago. oh my god i just i wrote a piece about it did you okay i'll email it to you yeah i love yeah it. please do yeah um i'm writing a note that, <laughs> i'm writing myself a note <laughs> do that i'd love to read it but that movie just i, I couldn't interact with the world after that movie like i, I left oh, that movie yes. and, and i and i and i was in this theater and there was maybe like 10 other people and like half of them were like the kind of older crowd that went to go see a movie at 2 p.m like i did mm. <laughs> and they were like what was that you know that's not a horror movie and they were just like not feeling it and then the other half were like just oh, quietly shuffling out movie. into the lot yeah and it is and it's like they went in expecting like you know slasher film or scares something. like jump yeah. jump scares which are so yeah stupid. like the conjuring or something yeah. but um i, love I mean that i just movie. yeah i just i just went into the the lobby and i just walked outside and i just stood there for like 10 minutes and there was this like big jazz festival going on outside and i just remember hearing all that and it just sounded so foreign because it was so happy and upbeat right. and just like wild and all these people were dancing and i was just like no uh, <laughs> i'm not in this world <laughs> I, I just i just felt so detached and and again, I mean, that's a tangent, but, you know, it's that type of content that I think is important to think about sometimes because... But isn't that, um, that's what's so great about movies, though. Yeah. Because you're in a dark room, you experience something, and then you're kind of like, you know, it's like you're sleeping and somebody just shines a spotlight on you and you're like, oh, God, it's, it's yeah. just like ripping a Band-Aid off and leaving the theater. Yeah. But I love that. Like you walk out of the theater and you're looking at everything differently. It's yeah. just the best That's, experience. It's the best way to experience film. And yeah. It, and it, Personally, to me, that's like when I make something sort of how I want people to feel. It's just that sort of an effect, like you said, where it's a wake-up call or it's like an alarm clock. It's like, okay, now you have to go back out into the world. What, mm. what did that do to you, if right. anything? And hopefully... Good luck you know, functioning. Question, yeah, yeah. The question we ask ourselves as filmmakers is, you know, hopefully it did do something for the audience. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I don't know about you, but like when I make a film, I don't want to make it just for them to forget about it, you know, 10 yeah, minutes later. No. Because if, if, if I've made a film and they walk out, 
and they go home and they start, you know, tweeting or playing video games and just like not, you know, not yeah. thinking about it once. That that means something didn't connect. No, I and want so, people to lose sleep. Yeah, in a, yeah, in a good way. <laughs> exactly, in a good way. Yeah. That's that's the best way. Yeah, I like that. Um, cool. So now that I've done some philosophizing, what would you say in terms of your cast? Because you have a phenomenal cast. Oh man, film. yeah, I'm um, so lucky. <laughs> people, you know, Robert Vaughn, man from Uncle. You know, his his resume speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you talk to you know just? I mean, I'm sure you've said this a thousand times doing press, but like, how how did you know they come together? And more so than like, how did they come together? Because I know casting directors do a lot. Um, what, what what did it mean to you once you did get the crew assembled and, and once you did, you know, see it in front of you? And because I, I know for me, when I made my first feature two, three years ago, mm-hmm. um, there was a moment where, you know, I, I just remember watching this one particular scene unfold. And, you know, when you're directing something, you get so caught up in like what you're actually doing and the logistics mm-hmm. and, you know, everything going on tech wise and performance wise that you kind of forget you're making a film. I just had this yeah. like, wave wash over me. That's like, holy shit, I'm making a film right now. And it just, I remember watching it and it was like those moments where you're just like, let me take a mental snapshot. Like you're floating above your body. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. You feel like you're looking at yourself and then like, you know, a couple seconds go by and you're just, you get back in the zone, do what you mm-hmm. do, forget about it. But I just, I always remember that. So did you have any moments like that once you had your dream team? Uh, nonstop. And it's such a good question because everyone wants to know, how did you get Robert? And you know, it's the casting director. I didn't just pick up the phone and be like, Hey, Robert Vaughn, I don't know you do my movie. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so I, I love this question. Um, there were so many moments that were surreal and strange when I was working with the cast. Um, a lot of them with Robert, uh, saying dad to him, uh, at the end of the film, I say, I just say, Dad, mm-hmm. and uh, it was that was really strange because my dad was a Robert Vaughn fan. Robert was wearing my dad's hat. Also, I remember preparing for that scene and being extremely nervous about directing it and also acting with Robert in a place that I had spent a lot of time with my father and a lot of time alone. Right. Um, I went to that beach a lot. Uh, and still do when I'm in Connecticut. Uh, so there were so many layers of it being surreal. And I remember we, we really clicked and I was kind of like this rush washed over me. And I was like, Mm. oh man, this is going so well. This is so (laughs) crazy. I can't believe it's Robert here with me and people were walking by and some people came up to him and were like, Oh my Robert Vaughn. Um, and it was, it's, it was just so weird. So many moments like that, um, where I would just kind of briefly freak out and think of all the pressure of, you know, directing and acting with Robert and Catherine Kearns and me, like these people are so good. She plays my mom. It was just this in and out of body experience, especially because I was acting. Once you're acting, yeah. you're forced to be very in your body. And then I was right. immediately like sucked out of it uh, right. to assess how it went as a director. 
So yeah, it was it was just really surreal. Um, uh, me thinking, why did any of these people say yes to me, and now it's happening and it's going well? Oh my god, don't yeah. don't second guess it. Don't second guess. Right. Don't think about it <laughs> yeah, too much, or something will go wrong. Yeah. Um, totally know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you star in it too, which is interesting. And and I can only imagine. I mean. You, you really did a juggling act yes. on a roller coaster, yeah. like, so to speak. And I, I applaud you for that. And I remember that that last scene, um, I rewound it after it finished because I just felt like I needed to watch it again. Oh, good. Because <laughs> like, cause it, cause I, it just hit me, but it's like I, I wasn't ready for it the first time. And then it just ended, and so I wanted to like watch it again, mm. and just that last scene. And it is is a super powerful scene. Without spoiling the film, I don't. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how to um, yeah respond. I think the only way I can respond without spoiling it um, is by saying that that was not the beginning and the ending were not in the script mm-hmm. in the way you see them, and they're much more uh, some more surreal cuts. My favorite moments in the film weren't in the script, which is funny. They yeah. they were found later. Yeah. Improvised, sort of? Some improvised stuff, but also pulling different visual pieces that were intended for other, thi- mm. other things and making mm-hmm. them into more surreal uh, sequences. Um, like the, uh, the island? The stuff with the islands, I love. Um, yeah, all the stuff with the island is so good. Anything that, on the that beach... Was... Yeah. Isn't it interesting how you can take a B-roll shot like that and just frame it with a little bit of manipulation and totally change yeah. the meaning? Yeah. Like that's that's like you're mentioning in the editing. Like that's what is super interesting about like what we do as filmmakers because mm. it's not you know because a lot of times like like I've shot documentary pieces and I mean even narrative pieces where if you see a B-roll it, it's either to cover myself because I didn't get enough coverage or <laughs> you know to just kind of smooth over a transition between two scenes but it's really cool when you can make a piece of B-roll mm. very intentional. Yeah and we did a whole story. day of just getting B-roll yeah. around the town right. which was really yeah. fun really yeah. fun. I actually had to say to the editor I was like you should probably just mute this because it's me just having fun yeah. with the DP the whole time yeah. just like blah blah blahing um, yeah. So yeah, we, we did that with with my film Son of Clowns, and it was like that yeah. same vibe. It was like just running around, like talking a bunch of hilarious stuff. <laughs> like yeah, you can mute all that audio. Yeah, don't really, listen to me. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, I mean it's B roll because we talked. We were just like, yeah, no one's gonna care. Yeah, it's like set up the shot. Oh, it looks great. And he brought his yeah. Chihuahua and the ch- the dogs <laughs> running around. It was really. F- I just love uh, my crew. So great. So, so here's an interesting question. Yeah, throw, you throw know, it at I, me. I, I'm, I tried to throw some interesting questions together because I've done press for my films, and I and I know you get a lot of. The, I like, know. You know. Tell this, us the plot. Tell us the story. Yeah, and, this is why, this is know. so great because it's very different. I have gotten a little numb. I'm like, oh god, the same two questions, but no, this yeah. is this is awesome. So so after you make a film, I'm I'm always very interested in the after because Yeah, no one you talks form, about the after also. No. Yeah. <laughs> you form this like little family <laughs> and then when it's over it's like gone. it's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really sad. It's like so it, you know, depressing. you want to you want to keep up with people, but you also don't want to be like the <laughs> soccer mom who's like, "Hey guys, how's everyone?" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like cuz people go and live their lives and do uh, other projects. Yeah. I mean, uh it was intense, and I, I, my favorite memory 
there are so many it's so funny for me watching the film too because i have so many layers of like sometimes i watch emotional scenes but think of something hilarious that happened with the crew behind the scenes right. and it makes me laugh um but yeah my favorite so after we wrapped we um wrapped at the bar and I was like, let's all go in and get drinks. And then people started to leave and just go home because that was it. And I, everyone that was leaving, I was like, don't go, don't <laughs> go. And I was like hugging my DP, like, don't leave. <laughs> it's like summer back. camp, yeah. <laughs> and then I went back to um, my mom's house in Connecticut, which was like our base camp. And uh, we had all of these trays of food set up from dinner that no one had thrown out. It looked like a bomb went off in the house. And um, I uh, remember at like 3 a.m. just eating with a huge catering spoon out of the thing of rice and just like crying and being like, I'm all alone now. <laughs> it was really traumatic, actually, because they yeah. most of a lot of the crew lived in my house for three weeks. Like we we became such a tight family. It was just really fun. Um, and, and do y'all still keep in touch? Yeah, I definitely Good. do. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm like, I gotta just get you guys on another shoot immediately. It, it's the best type of filmmaking when you actually form like strong bonds with the people you work yeah. with. Because, you know, it, it's not like you're clocking in and clocking out. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you are doing this for a reason and you care about it. And if you surround yourself with people who care about it too, I mean, that's like, some merlin level magic i know yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's awesome um well that's great so let's fast forward a little bit so once the film was edited uh another thing a lot of people don't talk about is the film festival circuit that's oh, brutal so, honestly like it's brutal it is no it, it's insane and again I, I wanted to tailor my questions to be just a little bit different because i know we have a lot of process oriented listeners and a lot of people always want to know like how do you deal with you know rejection if something's a personal piece because you know i can say it's it's tough like and sometimes you kind of get numb to it to where it's just yeah, like, I got really whatever numb. you know it's <laughs> like you don't have to worry about it but other times it's like oh man that would have been a really cool place to screen um so i guess like how do you deal with that side of the festival and then also mm -hmm. like once you do go to a festival because i know gold star played at a lot of really cool festivals mm -hmm. how, how do you plan that because i know I, I've done a few, a you question. know, I spent most of 2016 on the circuit. Yeah. It reminds me that you do have to be slightly selective um, because I've done some screenings where, you know, I've traveled and like paid my own oh, money and God, put myself yeah. up oh, and it's no. like three or four people show up to the film. So depressing. And, yeah. And then you go to other ones We've and all, it's like, all been there. Yeah. 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 And, and you go to other ones and it's like nearly sold out and it's those fun. And it's funny because the ones that I put all the like, effort and I like go to Kinko's and make flyers like those are the ones that don't yeah don't, so you know, true. don't do it and then it's like the ones where it's like oh yeah the the festival's got this like I show up and it's it's sold out yeah I'm I like, like guilt myself I'm what? like oh I'm being kind of lazy about yeah because you're like how how much should I promote oh, like, like I don't want to overwhelm everyone yeah I try really hard to get press I'd say it's different between shorts and features for features Definitely. you can get press for shorts I think mm -hmm. it's more difficult to get press unless you have a really specific angle or something but for features so I just do a ton of research a few weeks in advance um of local press that I see has covered the festival um or local film film critics and uh, you know I have a spreadsheet for every city I've been to with critics their email addresses and then I email once a week until I hear a yes or no 
And I've gotten a lot that of good is, stuff that is good. on my own. Um, like Phoenix, uh, a huge publication there. I'm completely blanking on the name. Put us in one of the top ten films to see. And a lot of people think like, oh, maybe I just, they I got that because they saw the film and loved it. But no, like it was me harassing them. And it's also being really prepared and having a Dropbox set up with high res mm-hmm. images and your own EPK that you can immediately send to people. And you got to mm-hmm. make like, if the easier you make it on journalists, I think the easier it is that you'll get covered because yeah. people don't want to work hard. Nobody wants to work hard. So just put everything in front of them, make it really yeah. easy. Um, yeah. So that's some pre- preparing I do. I also, you know, do the standard flyers and postcards and I show up and try to politician the festival. I will go up to people and say, come see my movie. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to love it. But I do get burned out pretty easily because I'm naturally an introverted person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, the heavy promoting uh, boots on the ground kind of stuff tires mm-hmm. me out. Um and yeah, a fest- I mean, honestly, the the festival circuit, the strategy, all of it is very tiring. And I'd say, do not waste your money. Like, it can be really disappointing. You have to think about what your goals are. Like, why are you playing certain festivals? Are you doing them just to get laurels? Sometimes there's no point yeah. to that. I mean, yeah. I-, I only played festivals I knew I could go to because it was so important for me to build audience. Um... But yeah, it's it's also the yeah, and the dealing with rejection too. I mean, at the beginning I took it really hard. I would stalk my Vimeo stats to see who was watching when. And um, after a while I got pretty numb to it because I started to see I don't know, it's a confidence thing. Like after playing certain festivals and getting really good responses, I was like, you know, it has nothing to do with my film. They get thousands of submissions the choices they have to make are brutal and mm-hmm. the festival circuit is a roller coaster of being you know really fun and really terrible <laughs> yeah that that's the best way to put it a roller coaster some some are good some are bad and, and i think everyone needs to go through yeah. the the circuit once um just so they can know okay i'm not gonna <laughs> submit to that again and ask or, other filmmakers right yeah yeah because you're right, there's a lot of trial by fire, but you can also avoid a lot of that yeah. if you reach out and like say, hey, was was this worthwhile yeah. to spend your own money to fly to, you know, or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Because um, I think, you know, as being indie filmmakers, that is a uh, something that's in the back of people's mind. It's like, you know, will, will this actually help or was it just another laurel to put on a poster that already has like a million laurels and yeah and nobody knows I, I what those are nobody right. like <laughs> unless it's sundance everyone right. everyone i'm related to back home in connecticut has no idea what any festival is but sundance right. so after a certain point it's like you've not ne- yeah. you've networked like go to the festivals where you can really network with other filmmakers right. make some connections for your next film build your audience and then just move on don't honestly like don't waste your time i think yeah because i think there's no point in sticking like 50 laurels on a poster yeah. to where you can barely see your art well and, and it's cool to have a few but like yeah. i've seen people just boom go crazy with it and it's like we get it at a certain, po- po- <laughs> 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 a certain point it's it sort of i feel distracts from the message as you look forward um I know from personal experience, every time I make a film, I feel like I'm still kind of carrying it with me 
forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And it's just the more I make, the more heavy the backpack gets. It's like a but child. I look at, you can't, yeah. You can't, yeah, like, yeah. You're not killing you the can't child. Quite, <laughs> right. Yeah. It still exists. And it's yeah. like those lessons come with you and, you know, you know what to do and what not to do mm-hmm. for the next one. So I guess um, now with Gold Star behind you, what, what are you looking to do going forward? I'm sure you have scripts and ideas mm-hmm. and, and how will... I guess more importantly, how will the lessons of Gold Star translate? You know, in the film, uh, it's about an isolated character. Mm-hmm. Um, a character that maybe not even it, on the first appearance would be someone that you think would be super likable. Yeah, of course. Um, yes. And I think that's interesting. I wonder what people think of me when they watch the film and then they talk to me. Because I'm not like my character at all, so it's it's. Well, you were acting. I'm acting, but some people. Some don't. people. I don't know. Yeah, some people don't. Yeah. Get that. Yeah. yeah. I, I understand. So I guess like, how does that translate? Because I, I just love films personally, and this might be just me that sort of take the challenge of like, okay, you're not gonna like this person 20 minutes in, but give us another hour, we'll prove to you that there's dimension, that there's depth, and I think it's good because you know. In, in 2017, we just all need to be exercising our minds and looking at people for more than 20 seconds a lot of times. Yeah. And, so, and, and there's a lot more going on underneath the surface than meets the eye. Mm. So so why, why do you think that's an interesting challenge as a writer? Yeah, um, I, I think it's very difficult because you don't want people to get... Uh, to mentally check out and not right. want to go along for the ride with your your protagonist uh, if they're so unlikable. So it definitely made editing the film challenging, um, choosing how far to push it. And I definitely pushed it, and I wanted to. Um, but yeah, it's that, like, how do you... I wanted to have a subtle redemption. I don't think my character gets there all the way, and I think that's interesting. Some people, I think... It's baby steps throughout their life to, um, you know, allow themselves to be kind to themselves and others and uh, more vulnerable. I love tortured uh, characters. I love people mm-hmm. that are um, angry at the world and um, the people that are hurting so much that others, they take it out on other people. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think especially... I, I want to see more female characters like that because I think there aren't that many out there that are right. unlikable. It's the, you know, uh, which was definitely a risk. I'm like, I don't know. It's especially being a, a woman. Some people might find her extremely abrasive. And, you know, she's she says how she might not want to have kids. And it's all of these things that are... Mm-hmm. Um, opposite of what most women should um you know in society be saying so yeah that i kind of rambled off off the subject of why as a writer it's the unlikable thing but i think i just love a challenge Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean had had the character been a guy that unlikability could have come off in a totally different way to certain audience members and certain writers it's been really funny reading reading reactions this one critic was like i just hate her (laughs) It's like, okay, but that's, you know, kind of the point. Right. right. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, and and again, I think that's a a broader societal thing, most definitely. Um, And and it's like, as filmmakers, I think it's great that you're out there pushing for these types of characters that you're not seeing. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can only count a handful of films where I've seen 
you know, characters like that mm, um, mm-hmm. that are the main character that are not just like a side character or just, you know, something like that. Um, and so that's important. Um, so, yeah, I guess just to wrap things up, uh, what do you want to do going forward? What do you want to mm. keep pushing for? Because it sounds like you've got a lot of initiatives that you want to support and a lot of great things going on. So what does the future hold and uh, where can people keep up with you? Yeah, I think for me, I want to support... Um you know, films that are unconventional. I don't, I tend to not like thing, uh, when I'm watching a film and know what it's gonna be from start to finish. I really wanna be surprised and I wanna be surprised by uh, a multitude of voices and diverse filmmakers. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm all over social media. I think that's how we initially yeah. connected. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's Victoria Negri. My film is Gold Star Film, and that's on all um, social media. Gold Star Film, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, so, yeah, connect with me. I'm very vocal on social Awesome. And to recap, uh, it is available on Amazon Prime. It's available on Amazon Prime. And if you're in L.A., so we show in L.A. Monday the 20th at the Lemley NoHo at 7.30, and then we'll be in Boston at the Capitol Theater 7.30 on November 27th. Uh, awesome. And then the film will be available through Tug if there's any interest in more theatrical screenings. But otherwise... Tug is super cool. Tug is awesome. Yeah, it's like, you don't I, have to... I could do a pain. whole podcast on Tug. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's a cool concept. So yeah, uh, the film is out and about. Well, this is this is great. Thank you for talking to us. Do you have anything you'd like to add or say? Or uh, no, I just want to thank you. This has been really great. Um, like I said, a lot of uh, interviews and stuff I've done have been really kind of questions that I feel like I'm just a robot repeating everything, and uh, I had to think a lot. <laughs> so thank good, you. Good. Good. Thanks for making mental me gymnastics think and <laughs> to have some fun remembering um, what it was like to make Gold Star. Yeah. For sure. Well, that, that's what we want to do with How We Human. We want to keep it human, keep it personal. So, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's great to hear. Well, thanks so much, Victoria. All right. Thanks, Evan. Take care. You too. Bye. All right, guys. That was our interview with Victoria Negri. Thanks for listening. I know for me, I could honestly relate to so much of what we just talked about. It was really interesting just because when you do make a feature film, even a short film or really any piece of art, you put so much of yourself into it. I can only imagine after going through what Victoria did that making a film based on her experiences would prove challenging but also necessary and therapeutic, and I appreciate her sharing her insights. I know for me, one of the biggest pieces of making these films, like we talked about in the interview, is to get them seen. And I sincerely hope that Victoria and future filmmakers who do want to channel narrative experiences that are so impactful and profound, continue to do so. And on How We Human, let's push out these works and help them succeed. Be sure that you're also keeping up with us on Twitter, at How We Human Pod. You can look How We Human Podcast on Facebook. Biggest way to keep up with us is to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Best way to do it. We'll get all the episodes right to you. That way you can listen to it on the way to work, when you're running, doing whatever you do. Also, if you guys want to check out me on Twitter, my Twitter username is at Mr. Evan Kidd. 
uh, my film works, rocksideproductions.com. And quick shameless plug, this week, the week this podcast episode is going out, I've actually just released a series on Thanksgiving Day. So hope you guys that are in America have enjoyed your Thanksgiving. And after you have finished uh, stuffing your face with turkey, head over to Amazon Prime, search Home Remedy, and treat yourself because it's five episodes of an original series that uh, I shot down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, earlier this year and uh, it was a whole bunch of indie filmmakers just just doing the damn thing so hope you guys can check that out if you have some time after your thanksgiving feasts all right thanks again guys we'll catch you later